Hi, and welcome to the Consulting Insights. This podcast is brought to you by CI Global Asset Management's Advisor Consulting Team. And today's discussion is being hosted by the Practice Management Team specifically. On the docket to be talked about is a topic that's really been coming up in a lot of our conversations within the advisor community. It's client-focused reforms. I'm Ryan Becker, Director of Advisor Engagement with the Practice Management Team. And today, regarding client focus reforms, we're planning to be discussing a few best practices for CFRs from a practice management perspective. For the conversation today, I'm joined with a member of the Practice Management Team, Bruno DePace, Director Campaigns. Now, quick bio on Bruno. Uh, he joined CI more than 10 years ago. He has a completely vast amount of experience in business and consulting, professional development knowledge and experience as well. And his primary responsibilities within the team include supporting advisors in areas of professional development and practice management. He's a phenomenal presenter and he has an amazing way of crafting a presentation. Um, and that is, that's Bruno in a nutshell. Welcome to the, the podcast today, Bruno. Thanks, Ryan, and thanks for the warm welcome. It's uh, great to be talking to you today about this important topic. Uh, you're welcome, Bruno. I appreciate you carving out some time to, to join us today. And, and as I said, we've been getting a lot of questions from the field and hearing more and more about client focus reforms. So hence why we wanted to provide some insights. And rather than dive into what these rules are, we wanted to stay in a lane of best practices and practice management. So um, we're not going to dive into the rules specifically. We want to keep it light and implementable. Uh, does, does that work for you as ground rules? Sounds great. Perfect. It's perfect. So, so let's dive in. Um, these reforms were adopted in October of 2019, um, and they were really created with the mindset of putting the client's best interest first. And the first phase of implementation happened at the end of June, um, and the second is happening at the end of December of this year of 2021. So firms are continuing to come up with guidance. However, if you're an advisor, you've got a couple months now to start prepping for your specific processes, incorporating this into your communication with clients. And that's one of the reasons that I wanted to invite you on today was because one of the things that you've been working on um, is a presentation about the reforms called client-focused reforms, um, how to make CFR is a win-win for you and your clients. And you've done a lot of research on the topic. So I'm, I'm curious, like, what surprised you the most about these rules? I think the thing that surprised me the most is that I expected to see a lot of new rules, but actually most of the new rules are in fact just extensions of existing rules. Hmm. Probably the only new rule technically is uh, KYP, know your product. Okay, so and KYP, I think, is going to be a focus area for many, especially since there's a lot of moving parts when it comes to, to product. And from our conversations, I really, I, I'm really summarizing these reforms as raising that bar, moving that bar up in terms of those minimum standards. So from an advisor's perspective, what are you foreseeing might be some of the biggest areas of concerns? I think one of the biggest concerns advisors will have is how to satisfy the client's best interest standard that's at the heart of all the, the new rules. Mm -hmm. Up until now, advisors have, uh, have only had to meet a suitability standard. So they only had to make sure products are suitable. But now they need to consider a lot more information to make a suitability recommendation, like comparing a reasonable number of alternatives, as well as consider the impact of ongoing costs on returns. And they also have to understand the client's personal and financial circumstances to be able to more accurately uh, assess the client's total risk profile. Mm -hmm. 
So as you can imagine, the process is now much more involved and it's going to be a bit more challenging for advisors to obtain all the information they need to meet the new standards. Mm, that's, a, that's a great point. And, and so, you know, clients' best interests really are the spirit of these reforms. And, you know, as, you, as you're talking, one of the things that jumps out to me um, in terms of all this is, is that documentation and the documentation that's going to be required to satisfy um, this. So, you know, I, I think about that, the old adage, like if a tree falls in the forest and no one's around to hear it, does it make a sound? Well, if, if you take that philosophical component out of it, you'd say, yes, a tree probably does make a sound. Uh, however, can I demonstrate that? And, and saying this or refocusing this into the, the terms of CFRs, have you operated in a client's best interest? You, you may have, but is there any documentation that you did? And, and one of the things that I want to talk about a little bit later in, in terms of uh, technology or, or ways in which we can look to document this, but right now, the, the, the presentation that you have been working on, um, the tagline of it is CFRs, how you make them a win-win for you and your clients. And I, I'm curious as you know, in your mind, how do we make this a win-win for you and your clients? Well, the biggest thing is that advisors need to embrace the new rules and they have to show their clients that they're in favor of the changes and that they believe that the changes will create a better overall client experience due to the increased transparency and, and potentially better outcomes. Now, the benefit for the advisor is that it will create more committed clients. And, and we know from research that when clients are more committed, they give their advisors more referrals and they give their advisors more of their assets to manage and committed clients are far less likely to leave. Hmm. That, that makes a lot of sense. And I think it's really good business sense overall and business use. So if you're putting your clients at the center of everything you do and you work to support that vision, uh, then hopefully you are continuing to con contribute and create that sustainable business. Um, so I think it's up to us to ensure that every opportunity we have when we're engaging with clients, that we are articulating and reinforcing our value. Um, so in terms of, of your delivery, how would you recommend or, or think about how we look to deliver this message with clients? Well, a meeting would be the best option, but advisors can start by using a newsletter and or email to give the clients a heads up. But again, it's important to put a positive spin on all of the communications around this topic and make sure that they show their full support for all the changes. I, I think that makes sense. And it's good to know we're on the same page. I think, you know, repetition and that positive perspective are both really good principles when you're communicating on this topic or, or really for any topic for that matter. Um, and if you really want to make sure that you're honing in on your messaging before you start using it in your client conversations, because, you know, if, if you're to say good news, I've met the minimum standards of operating in your best interest. And, and I'm using air quotes right now for those that, that can't see me or only obviously hearing this, uh, but that positioning isn't something you really want to be shouting from the rooftops. And, and for that matter, if you're discussing in the negative light, you're essentially arguing, or you could be considered that you're essentially arguing against putting clients' interests first. So you, you know, we're not going to win many over on that point of view. So here's your litmus test or, or the litmus test that I think about is before you're about to engage in this conversation is, does it pass the pretest? And my, my pretest conversation is, A, is it, is it positive? So P, 
is it repeatable? There's your R and are you embracing the rules? So there's the E. So the short form would be pre. So are you passing the pretest? Um, but any other tips that you might have in, in terms of positioning for advisors, Bruno? Well, I love that uh, that pre-acronym that you just created there, Ryan. That's fantastic. But um, I have a suggested positioning statement that I develop for advisors to use with their clients. Uh, but I'm sorry, Ryan, I'm, I'm not going to be able to. Uh, I'm going to save that for advisors who sign up for the presentation. However, what I can say is that basically comes down to what I stated earlier, which is showing support for all of the changes and making sure the advisor does it convincingly in terms of both their words and their actions. Uh, okay. So you're, you're going to save the positioning for the presentation. <laughs> yes, that's, exactly. fa that's, that's fair. <laughs> I, I get that. Um, but something actually I, I recently saw was from a, an, an EY global research wealth research report. And it actually highlighted that about 21% of Canadian investors surveyed indicated that they plan to switch or move money to a new firm in the next three years. So 21%, I think is a sizable number. And many can view it as a really great opportunity to, to capitalize on if you're going to look through it uh, through that lens. So I think it's a perfect opportunity for us to take the offensive and within the CFR conversation to potentially ask for a referral. Now, what I'm not saying, Bruno, is, is that you make uh, asking for a referral the center of your conversation when you're communicating these, but within the course of repetition and within the course of having these conversations, you know, something like, you know, we've been working together for a long time and there continue to be things that bother me in this industry, um, such as some not operating in the best interest of their clients, maybe only selling um, product and not actually advising, for example. And these reforms we talked about over the course of our conversations are really here to help raise the bar. So if there's anybody that you care about that might be challenged by these things, well, I'd be happy to talk to them. It's just, just an example that I'm thinking of is that you could incorporate within your conversations to ask for a referral and, and go on the offensive uh, when it comes to articulating these. And I think, you know, as we're striving to raise the bar, CFRs, um, the digital shift that we've come through through the pandemic and the resulting need for the demand of advice that, that clients are looking for, I think it creates a really good opportunity to, to demonstrate our value for, uh, for clients. Well, I think it's a great conversation, um, or I should say conversations that we continue to move on this topic. And as I see it, another challenge that's coming out could be the capacity. So capacity from an advisor perspective um, on their business and the ability to connect with clients to ensure you implement is going to be strained uh, if you've got a book of a thousand clients, for example. So with that in mind, um, what might be a big challenge for an advisor when it comes to implementation here? Ryan, uh, as you just alluded to, capacity is going to be a big challenge for advisors when they try to implement all of the new rules with all of their clients. And that includes smaller clients because the regulators view all clients as equal. Now, this principle of viewing clients as equal is not really new, but now the rules will ensure that advisors can no longer ignore the smaller clients. And that's going to consume a lot more of the advisor's time. So the net of it is that Smaller clients may become a challenge for many advisors who don't have the capacity to manage those smaller clients properly in accordance with all of the new requirements. Mm -hmm. So advisors will have to make a decision on if 
and how they can adequately serve these clients. It's, a, it's an interesting point and it's an interesting thing to point out. So what, what are ideas or strategies that you could look to incorporate to help um, when it comes to this capacity constraint? Well, we already talked about the impact that implementing the new rules is going to have on advisors' capacity. So advisors should really give a lot of thought to how they can automate the whole CFR implementation process. That's a good point. I think technology can play a big role in automating some of the processes. For example, advisors can record discussions to make it easier to capture all of the important client information that's that's provided during meetings. And then they can use audio to text conversion software to convert that audio into text that can then be stored, let's say, in a CRM system. Advisors can also use good old-fashioned email to send a summary of the meeting notes to a client after a meeting as a follow-up. In a nutshell, Ryan, advisors should be leveraging technology to streamline this, the CFR implementation process. And at the very least, they should be ensuring that they're fully utilizing all of the capabilities of the technology that's currently available to them. I, you know, anything that incorporates a way to make your life easier, I'm in favor of and, and leveraging digital is going to be an, an absolute, um, I wouldn't say necessity, but it, it's part of the process for, for these and defining and developing those formalized processes to incorporate CFRs helps today and tomorrow. Uh, a couple areas that you want to focus in on would be you know, specifically onboarding, their onboarding process, that an ongoing client engagement process as well. Um, you know, what's your, what's your process in terms of KYC, risk profile, IPS, planning, just to name a few. And then providing ongoing financial planning, I think, gives us an opportunity that that could continue to, to help in terms of this and continue to increase engagement. And to that matter, you know, formalizing your, your client engagement. How do you connect? When do you connect? On what mediums? How do you schedule this out? It, it's also a great opportunity to institutionalize your product selection, your review, your maintenance, your documentation. Now, this is going to be over and above that dealer's help. Um, and I know a number of dealers are working on different tools and strategies and components to help support advisors. Um, but how do you review? What are you looking for? How do you stay informed, for example, on your side of the ledger are things that you can start thinking about now that can pay dividends in the future. And I know it sounds like a lot. But I know a number of or many of the advisors that we work with are already doing some level of this. It just may not, in fact, be formalized. So how much time do we have? Like when we are looking to make these changes, Bruno, um, what are some of the, the timelines that we're working with here? Well, in terms of the rules as a whole, the conflict of interest rules take effect this month. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's kind of scary if, if you haven't done anything to prepare for them. Uh, while the rest of the rules like KYC and KYP and suitability determination come into effect at the end of December of this year. Uh, in terms of KYC specifically, starting in January of 2021, KYC information must be updated immediately if there's a material change in a client's life. Otherwise, the KYC must be updated every 12 months for managed accounts and 36 months for all other accounts. Okay. And, and managed accounts, we're talking specifically around a, an account that an advisor would have discretion over, correct? Yes, that's correct. 
Okay. Um, and then material changes in terms of a client's life. What, what are we looking at there? Well, essentially, you have to take reasonable steps to keep the client's information current, and you have to update the information if you become aware of a significant change. As an example, an address change would not be considered material, but having a baby would be. Okay, fair, <laughs> fair enough. Um, so you've got an opportunity then to start identifying your clients and households that, that might have a higher probability of changes going forward, some of these life changes within your book. So like you mentioned, babies or retirement. Um, and I, I guess part of this is, are you asking deep enough questions to uncover client situations? Or are you just staying surface level? And I, I know that's a whole other topic for a completely other conversation. And you, you've got some great messaging ideas and questioning ideas when it comes to another presentation that you had built out this year, which is called preparedness. But I, I don't, wanna, don't wanna dive into that at this point. Um, but is there anything else that you'd like to highlight as we're wrapping up uh, today, Bruno? Yes, uh, there is one more thing. I want to clarify something that may be worrying some advisors, which is that the, they may be thinking that the only way to satisfy the regulators with all of these new rules is to be able to deliver perfect advice. And I'm using you know quotes yeah. <laughs> as well. Uh, but, but that's not actually the case. Most of the new rules are principles-based and not prescriptive. And the text often defers to the advisor's professional judgment. So as long as advice is reasonable and can be justified, it doesn't have to be perfect. Advisors also need to make sure that the advice that they give to their clients and the products that they recommend to them are consistent among all of their clients who have a similar profile. Hmm. So um, when in doubt, write it down. <laughs> that's, that's, exactly. the way that, that's the way that I think about it. And, you know, Bruno, I, I appreciate you highlighting some of these pieces today for us on the podcast, carving out some time um, and sharing this. Uh, I really do appreciate you, you, you being on today. It was my pleasure. It was a lot of fun. And uh, thank you for inviting me. Oh, you're welcome. Well, um, I hope for those that were listening that you got a few best practices about implementation and adoption of client focus reforms. Um, as I mentioned here before, Bruno's built this presentation and we're thrilled to have it on our shelf. It's called Client Focus Reforms, How to Make CFRs a Win-Win for You and Your Clients, um, which if you'd like to hear more on, please reach out to your CI sales rep. And for those of you who have been listening, if you'd like to hear uh, more from our team, please subscribe to our new channel. It's called Consulting Insights. It's where you can find CI's advisor consulting podcasts like this one and hear topics that highlight practice management, tax, estates, financial planning, and more. Uh, please subscribe on your platform of choice. And thanks again, Bruno. And thanks again, everyone for listening. Please do remember to tune in for the next episode when we'll be back discussing our thoughts and insights that you can work into your businesses. This podcast is provided as a general source of information and should not be considered personal, legal, accounting, tax, or investment advice, or construed as an endorsement or recommendation of any entity or security discussed. Investors should seek the advice of professionals prior to implementing any changes to their investment.